Alright everybody, welcome back to Grindstone Adventures. This is uh, podcast episode number 8, and I have a lifelong buddy that is on the show today. Um, pretty cool dude. Uh, I, like I said, I've known him longer than everybody else I've known, well, maybe not Steven. Um, we, we all started school together, but uh, his name's Connor Troyer, and one day he'll beat Hussein Bolt in race. But uh, what's going on, bud? Hey, how's it going? So yeah, like uh, Zach said, my name is Connor Troyer, and I ran track at the University of Mount Union. Zach and I went to grade school together um, back in the day, so that's how we know each other, and he went to Muskingum, and so we always saw each other at uh, track meets. Yeah. So yeah. We've been racing each other for a long time. Yeah. Yep, yeah. so uh, hey, yeah, thank you for having me on the show. I'm happy to, uh, to help you out, so I'm excited to uh, get started. No, thank you for coming on it, man. I appreciate it. So uh, he was just telling me before we started this, he moved down to Georgia and is going to chiropractic school, so that's pretty cool. That's a good field to get into, a lot of money. Yeah, you know, um, they say only 7% of the population uses chiropractors, and it's just um, unbelievable the amount of stuff that we can help, you know, pretty much everyone with, even people who don't even, don't think they need any medical help, like, we can, uh, we can get you feeling better than you ever have, so, if you haven't been to a chiropractor, go find yourself a good chiropractor, and you will not regret it, so, that's, that's my chiropractor spiel. <laughs> hey, if it helps someone out there, that's a good thing. Exactly. So, and say I, my dad goes one. I don't know if he goes to it very often or not, but he, he goes, he goes when he needs it. Um, I don't know if you ever knew this, but not like when we were in grade school, like too young to remember much. My dad was in a crane accident. The crane tipped over on, with him in the bucket. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, like he, I think he said he had his one bicep was almost pinched off, and it. I mean, it's all healed now, but it messed his back up for life, but... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's probably one of those situations where, I mean, if you uh, get too bad of a trauma, it's, there's not really so much chiropractic you can do, because we're more like conservative care, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, you never know, it's, it's awesome, you come in and we take full x-rays to make sure we know what's exactly what's going on. And kind of go from there. It's the amount of techniques and different ways we learn how to take care and adjust patients in school. It's absolutely mind-boggling, honestly. I don't even know how you even choose one to use, but pretty much uh, it's whatever you feel most comfortable with and kind of take off running from there. It's it's cool because I feel like no chiropractic experience is going to be the same from uh, two different chiropractors, but... Yeah. It's cool. It's a cool thing. Yeah, that's something I need to look into because I, at least I'll have a little bit of an idea how to do it because I, I moved out of state also uh, just the end of last year. And now that I'm 25, i got to find a new doctor for my arthritis. So i got to go through and figure out how to determine who's best for that. Mm-hmm. So. Find some chiropractor. I'm telling you, we learn about arthritis every single day in class because everyone gets arthritis eventually in life. Yes, they do. It's not a fun disease, people. (laughs) Stay away from it as long as you can. Stay flexible, stretch. Exactly. That's 
that's honestly the truth right there and uh people don't realize it until unfortunately it's too late you know with health you only get one body and as soon as you start you know you're not going to go to the gas station and put water in your car you know you want to put the best stuff in there or else it's not going to run very good so yeah. same thing with diet and you know exercises of course um of course like important but um what I usually tell people is health is 80% diet and 20% exercise. You know, if you have a really healthy diet, you almost don't even work out to be healthy. But that's, you know, of course, still a very important component of health. But right. Your joints aren't going to, they're not going to stay mobile on their own. Yep, exactly. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever had surgery, but like right after your surgery, when you're allowed to start doing things again, a lot of times... Uh, physical therapist will sit there and they'll break up a bunch of scar tissue that way it doesn't you know solidify and keep your joint all messed up or wherever you got your surgery or whatnot oh yeah and it's similar to the joints right there you got to keep moving or they're gonna slowly fuse together because yeah. i may be wrong even though i've had the arthritis for 23 years or 22 years something like that but the way i've always understood it is if you don't take care of the arthritis eventually the cartilage and stuff inside your joints will be gone and your bones are going to fuse together and it's going to hurt. Yep. Yep. So that, that's the end case for inflammatory arthritis. And um, for pretty much osteoarthritis, you're just going to burn off all that cartilage and your bones are going to be bone on bone the rest of your life. And the sad thing is, is once that cartilage is gone, it, you know, it's, it's not coming back. So. Right. Take care of your body while I can and you'll uh you'll be happy you did yep. you're, you're older on my last episode uh, i had a a guy from a scheme that played linebacker for the muskies and now he's a fitness trainer and he, he works out of the west side of on the west side of columbus but the east side of cincinnati dayton um okay a little area called northwest um yeah. but he was he put it out there and you know i think it's Something I could probably start saying every episode, you know, get out there and go for a walk because even if you're just walking like a mile or maybe a lap around the track, that's better than sitting on the couch and doing nothing. Exactly, exactly. You know, the, the hardest part about a workout is showing up. Yeah, anymore anyways, yeah. Yeah, as, as soon as you're there, you're like, well, I'm already here, so I might as well do it. Right. Uh, so uh, I'm a little fuzzy on how you're... Uh, college track career ended other than you know obviously your accolades um, because you came back for another year didn't you because you had eligibility yep so I came back for my fifth year and um, pretty much had indoor and then uh, was at indoor nationals my fifth year down in Winston-Salem where they're at right now and um, practiced Thursday night and then Thursday after dinner, our coaches got a call. They canceled the, the meet, and then that's pretty much when COVID hit. So, you know, it was, like, I was, of course, you know, pretty bummed and just, like, disappointed that, like, I put my grad school life on hold for an entire year to come back and run track. And it was just, like, it, like I just had a lot of questions, but... Um, the more I thought about it, the more it was just like, you know, everything happens for a reason. So, right. you know, can't worry about the past. You just have to look at all the great memories that, you know, that you made in the time, regardless of how it ended. But, um, yeah, so 
I was pretty successful in my first couple years. Um, I was injured my entire sophomore year, but um, came back strong after that. Like I said, like I was telling you before we started, uh, the reason I'm in chiropractic school is because chiropractor saved my running career. After that, I was out. You know, you, you probably remember the indoor and outdoor season. Yeah. Yeah. And came back the season after that and won three national titles. So it was um, it was pretty good, and that definitely inspired me to come down and be a chiropractor. So hopefully, I can you know do that for people in my future. Hopefully, do you have any like plans to like maybe start coaching one day or? Um. I don't want to say no because I I feel like um, that would be a very cool and fun experience. My track coaches in college always told me like they thought that I should be a track coach, but um, I I'll definitely wait until my kids are you know old enough to run and I've established a couple practices back home. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do plan on moving back to Ohio, back to Sugar Creek, and practicing with um actually the the guy that took care of me his two sons were my best friends in high school and so we're down here at school together the oldest one's about to graduate here in two weeks so that's really exciting but um we're gonna go back and take over his dad's practice and hopefully expand it that'd be pretty cool yeah so that's the plan right now but, you know, the thing about plans is things never go as planned, so. Right. They say the best plan is to have a backup plan. Yeah, that is true. So, um, you know, of course, keep my options open. There's just so many different opportunities. Um, like, whenever I go and do my residency, they have residency um, options all over the world. You can go to New Zealand. You can go to Switzerland. You can go to Europe. Like, it it's uh it's crazy but i think i'm just gonna do my residency with the practice that i'm going to be uh going back to up in ohio yeah so just to you know get acclimated there like i'm technically still in school so go up get acclimated before i graduate and start working there i just think that's that would be like the best um opportunity for to make sure i feel comfortable like coming out of practice and all that good stuff yeah. So that sounds like a pretty good plan to me. Yeah, thank you. So it's exciting. Just got to get through school, man. This this is tough. Yeah, I, I know that struggle. I just started grad school in July. So what's your degree going to be in? Um, so I'm in uh, secondary education um, licensure. So I'm not doing any like content stuff like that. It's all strictly to get my teaching license because I. I finished up in this game with a BA in history. Mm. So I'm going to get my teaching degree, go teach history and social studies, whoever, however you want to say it, to eighth graders in middle school. And I'm going to try and become a head track coach eventually and maybe an assistant football coach. I don't know yet. But, I mean, I was never the greatest athlete. I mean, I never beat you in any races. I'm still over till this day, but... I mean, my, I always got told all the time by high school coaches and my uh, college coaches that, like, I knew what I was doing. I knew how to do it correctly. It's just I couldn't always get my body to cooperate, you know. I, I spent 
eighth grade to senior year going to Ashland University for track camps over the summer and over the winter. So I, I definitely got a lot of stuff to pass on. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, like, something I always saw about you is, like, your love for the game and your love for the sport of track was, like, so great. And, like, it's awesome that you went on and, like, ran in college. And I'm sure you had some of your most fun memories. Oh, yeah. Running track in college, regardless of, you know, how many races you're winning or whatever. It's just, like, you and, like, your family out there and you just come to practice every day and grind. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's days you know that you you go you wake up you get done with class and you're like man I really don't want to do it as soon as you step on the track or the field it's like what the hell was I upset about I'm, I'm having a blast you know exactly you know there's not that many people that get to experience that kind of stuff so right and as long as you have the right mindset and you take advantage of every opportunity you get you're not going to have any regrets and I think I think both of us kind of had that type of undergrad track experience right you know, there, there was a lot. I mean, I don't know if you remember, it would have been uh, our junior year in college. I didn't get to compete at all um, because I had messed up my shoulder the year before throwing javelin. I had told my I had told my labrum pretty bad and then had to have surgery. And they told me, even though track season started about four months or so after surgery, they said, we know your track record. We don't trust you to be able to run over the hurdles and not fall and re-mess it up. So you're going to have to sit the whole season. And I didn't think I was going to be able to do much. You know, I was just going to have to ride the bus, go watch the meets and not do anything. But yeah. both the football team and, you know, I was well out of football by then. Um, the football team and the track team, they both, like, used me and helped, had me. Uh, I mean, the football team, I would say I was doing different stuff you know equipment manager and stuff but i was helping freshmen get used to it and making sure everybody was on time crap like that but in track like you know how the muskie program was there wasn't not a lot of standout athletes and stuff but and our hurdle program was uh non-existent really so i was kind of helping teach technique and you know get on people during practice when they needed it and stuff and just kind of being like that leader because it it, it was that much of a love like you said mm-hmm. but um yeah no I, I I just had so much uh, fun times like in track it, it was just unbelievable I like I didn't even go to college to run track in the first place I actually chose Mount Union to play football because I didn't really want anything to do with track when I was high school. You know, football was like my true love. And then, and so I played football actually that year, Mount Union won the national title. So, yeah. um, got, uh, was on that national championship team and then ran track my freshman year and, uh, qualified the nationals in the 110 hurdles after like four meets, I think. And then after that, I was like, yeah, you know, this track thing's actually pretty cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've always had that love for football. You know, I remember playing Little Tigers with you and stuff. And, you know, mm-hmm. me and Andy always trying to beat up on the bigger guys, even though we were smaller and didn't hit our growth spurt till later on. But oh, yeah. you never lose that love. And I remember I, went, I was going to go to Ashland, try and get a walk-on or a half-ride. Uh, for the 400 herders and then 
I talked to the Muskingum coaches, and they said I could play football down there too. So that's what got me to go to Muskingum. And then it, I'll never lose that love for football. But oh, yeah, that's, the, the that's love awesome. for track, if you've never been to a track meet as a track athlete, like there's just a whole different vibe about it. It's You get to make a lot of new friends and BS with people. You get to see different people doing different things and learn from many different people. And there are, this may sound harsh, but there are a lot of weirdos that run track, and they're just in it, just as inter- entertaining to watch. Yeah. Oh, I know. And, um, uh, sorry, my dog is, uh, I can't find a quiet place to talk to you because <laughs> dogs and come on. No worries. So, no, you're good. But, um, yeah, sorry, I, I kind of forget what you were saying. I'm just talking about the love for track and football. Oh, I know, I know. You know, once once you have a love for a sport like that, it's it totally changes your outlook, and you know, you come coming to practice every day, looking forward to you know, like like I said, the grind and like working hard. Yeah. And uh, I think something I didn't get in high school track was kind of that like grind culture. And then as soon as I got to Mount Union, I just feel like everyone was there like for a reason. You know, our coaches pretty much didn't even coach. We just showed up and did the workouts, hit the times, and we, like, something we always said was just trust the process. And that's pretty similar how we did it in this game. Like, if we needed technical advice and stuff like that from the coaches, they would give it to us. But pretty much they'd, we'd show up, they'd tell us what the workout was, and then we'd just we'd get after it. They, yeah, so. that, that's one thing I liked about track like at the end of the day it is a team sport you know you got a different events and stuff your team tries to get as many points as they can to win the overall meet but as soon as that gun goes off it's it's on you it's, you're racing yourself because it, you don't know what's going to happen with the other guys so don't worry about them you just run your race and try and improve your time every week yep, yep. and that's something I've always loved about track is well, you know, team sports is, like are great, but um, you know, like you were saying, it's still a track, it's still a team sport. But you know, you you just have to really hold yourself accountable, and that's pretty much like you know, for the team, I guess is how is how like I would, I would relate it back. So it's like, all right, I have to like hold my part so that my team does well overall, even though no one else is helping you it's just you versus you like so it is it is cool you truly get out what you put in yep yep so me and Connor started sports together oh, a long time ago we what was third grade when we started playing football I think third grade was first year tackle football okay I mean we were playing football at, on asphalt at recess long before that but I got a lot of scars still from that, but yeah, we used to have this little group, uh, you know, Nick, Joe, Joe, Deco, Steven, you, me, Andy, Drake, we all used to run around, play football, race each other, beat up on each other as much as possible growing up. Oh, no, that was the only way, though. Oh, it was. I mean, I wouldn't want to grow up in today's society, like, if I had a cell phone when I was growing up, I'd be a worthless POS. Oh, dude, tell me about it. It's it's honestly one of my biggest pet peeves whenever, you know, I'm like in store shopping 
and I see like a baby crying or whatever and then the parent just handing them an iPad or like an iPhone just to like keep them occupied I was like I never had that shit like if I didn't if I didn't listen to my parents I went to the bathroom and got my ass beat (laughs) (laughs) right you know oh yeah yeah. Or threatening to go. I still, I still have flashbacks. It's like, if you don't quit doing that, we're going to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, oh, I'm in that. Right. My mom and dad used to be like, all right, if you don't quit messing around, we're going to go stick you in the, the truck or the car. You're going to sit there until we're done with no radio or nothing. Nope, yeah, to act like an adult. You want to be with the adults. Right. But at the same time, that was also when, you know, we'd wake up in the mornings in the summertime. We'd all go to the park or wherever that day, and we'd know we'd have to be home by the time the streetlights came on. Like, that's yep. that wasn't a cliche for us. That was real life. Yeah, exactly. But that was fun. That's also something nice about growing up in a real small town is, you know, our parents could let us go do things like that and not really have to worry about, you know, us getting into too much trouble because, honestly, wasn't much trouble around us. Yeah, and well, to be honest, also, the most of the time the trouble was uh, me, Andy, and Drake doing stupid stuff. Yeah, you're, you guys are just your own worst enemies. Yeah, we were, we were wild. But that's how boys are growing up. Yep. Yeah. So, what would you say your favorite uh, football memory is? have to say my senior year of high school whenever so probably two my both senior year whenever we beat Indian Valley at home they're a second ranked team second ranked team in the state they had Jake Davis their running back and um like we it was back and forth the whole game and we scored and then they drove down the field and scored and tied it up with like 30 seconds left or no, scored it was twenty one twenty and they were going for the two point conversion to win. And of course they handed off to Jake Davis and I'll never forget Jensen Schrock, our defensive lineman, stopped him in his tracks and we won the game. It was like it was crazy. And then that same season we had a, a home playoff game in the first round and it was kinda like the same thing, one of the greatest football games I've ever been a part of, just like back and forth scoring, the offense was going off. And uh we ended up beating them. Sadly, the next week we lost to Kirtland, but I'm pretty sure they went on, went on to win. So, I can't see that. Yeah. But, uh, those are probably my two favorite. And obviously, um, winning a national title with Mount Union's football team, that's, that's you know, something I'll never forget. Right, but, that's probably a crazy experience traveling to, I believe it was, what, Texas that year for the Natty? That was, um, I want to say... Winston-Salem, or... Uh, I believe you guys were playing uh, Wisconsin-Whitewater, though, for it. It was St. Thomas that year. Oh, was it? Yep, St. Thomas. So, we we started playing Whitewater in the, the semifinal round because they got switched into our region, and so we never even saw them at the uh, national championship game anymore because we'd have to play them the weekend before. That was probably a good thing, though. Oh yeah. Well, it was pretty much the national title game that week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say that. that it, it was crazy. We'd be on the sidelines at this game. I mean, while I was there, we all knew we were never gonna get to a natty. But we'd all be like 
talking how Mount's going to run it and probably have to beat Whitewater or the Natty or whatever. But both teams would be there, and then we would turn around and we would uh, uh, Wittenberg. I don't know. You guys played them a few times first round. And we would, we would shit on Wittenberg because their conference is so easy that they win outright every year. But Muskegon would, Muskegon would walk, mop the floor with them during uh, the preseason. Oh yeah, yeah. I bet that was always fun. And, and say, so how many years? How many years did you play football there? In this game? Yeah. Just our freshman year. After that, they uh, medically retired me. Um, yeah. They said I hit my head too many times. I mean, I've hit my head several times since then. But at the time, they reti- they met, took the pads from me. I think I was at nine concussions. Oh, that's nothing now. I mean, there's only five on paper, but I have twelve now. Oh my gosh! I don't, I don't, don't even think I've had one concussion on paper. I mean, I'm sure I've had one or two, but yeah. nothing honestly that I can really remember. Yeah, looking back, I would have given myself the advice of, hey, protect the dome, but you live and you learn. I'm gonna say I was in a side by side accident two years ago or something like that. We. We rolled it the day after I had uh, hit my head on the roll cage and split my head open. The day later, we, we rolled it on top of me. Oh, my gosh. There was alcohol involved both times, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, those side-by-sides are no joke. Yeah, we were just trail riding, and then we hit an uphill climb, and... Uh, a rock kicked the rear wheel out and it tipped it on its side and I just ended up being on the side to hit the ground first. But, yeah, that was, that was fun time. And I keep saying, I keep telling my buddy, I was like, we gotta go back there. I need redemption. I gotta come out clean. Yeah, well, that was like me over quarantine. All, all my buddies and I bought dirt bikes and I didn't have my dirt bike for a week and went out and sent it on like this 100 foot jump and crashed the shit out of my dirt bike, separated my shoulder. Um, so still, still, I'm still struggling with that today. But um, oh, you will for a long time. Huh? You will for a long time. Yeah, tell me about it. Shoulders are. I think every time I look in the mirror, it just gives me a reminder my collarbone kind of sticking out of my shoulder. Yeah, and they say you got your collarbone to look at. I got four precision marks on mine. What kind of bike to no, buy? I, I have never had surgery. I thought about like getting my shoulder surgically repaired, but I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna put my money where my mouth is and see if you know I can't just exercise and eat right and do all the right things instead of having surgery. And honestly, it was the best decision I ever made because like I can pretty much do whatever I want now and it doesn't bother me at all. That's good. Yeah. What kind of bike to buy? I had a. Uh, 2001 Suzuki RM125. And you launched, was it two stroke? Oh, yeah. And you launched that sucker over 100 foot? Oh, dude, it was probably 130 feet. What'd you do? Hit the power band? Well, it was like, it was kind of like an uphill, and I realized I was going too fast, so I let off the throttle right on the face of the jump, and it kind of like sent my nose end down. Yep. And then I landed over my front tire and kind of like rolled over the bike. Yep. But, yeah, so if you're all listening at home, if you're on dirt bikes, stay on the power throughout the jump. Yep. But the when in doubt, throttle it out. Literally. 
Yeah, I mean, right before we went to college, freshman year, I, went, I was like, you know, camp starts two weeks before school, so I'm getting ready to go down the middle, or the beginning of August or something like that, or middle of July, I don't remember when it started, freshman year, but I went riding with my buddy on a KX125, and I smacked the power band going downhill, and I found a creek line in the middle of this dude's field, and I knew it was there, I just forgot about it. So then I hit the wobbles and tried to save it and ended up whiskey throttling and I broke the tail fender off, stuffed dirt up into the the exhaust pipe and smacked my face off the tire before I hit the ground. But oh my gosh, yeah. That, that was Those a... two are no joke. Once you get in that power van, oh you're going to Dude, even a KX-65 has launched yeah. me before. I remember riding on Henry Malkowitz, uh KTM 65 and getting a whiskey throttle in his front yard and I was like, yeah, I yeah. don't mess around with dirt bikes anymore. Yep. I might be trying to convince my buddy to let me ride his Enduro he just bought when I go home next. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. But if I want to have any chiropractic career at all, I think no more motorcycles for... Uh, for the future. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. I don't do anything on them anymore other than put around first, second gear because I know I can't ride very well. Yep, pretty much same here. It, it's a wild concept for me. Like, I can get in a standard truck and, you know, I can drive that sucker 110 mile an hour without missing a gear. Mm-hmm. But that's using my feet. You put me on a bike and it's like I don't know how to use the clutch because I can't get it to start moving. But once I'm moving, I can shift gears. It's like it's like one of those things where you need to pretty much start young, yeah. and that's that's how all the those pros are like. They've been on their bike longer than they could probably walk. Yeah, and we grew up on bicycles, jumping crap at the park. God, I know. You remember that? Uh, what was that bike Drake had? It looked like a motorcycle. Was it a chopper? Oh, jeez, I don't even. I think that's I what it was. I might have been moved to Sugar Creek by then. When did you move to Sugar Creek? Um, and so seventh grade was my last year at Strasburg, so. Okay, so you moved a year after I went to Carrollton. Okay, yeah. Because I, I moved out there in sixth grade, so I, I left all y'all in fifth. I didn't realize I moved in sixth grade. Yep, that was a long time ago, man. That is a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe... What is it, 2022? In three years, dude, it'll be a 10-year anniversary of graduating high school. Yeah, that remind me. <laughs> How old are you? Are you 25 yet? Yeah, I just turned 25 in February. Oh, okay, so you're only about a month or two behind me. Yep. And uh, what, you're in December? Yep. yep. Drake's in January. Time flies. It just keeps going faster. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I wish I could slow it down. Yeah, it feels like yesterday. I was just starting school down here. Yeah. It's already been a year and a half. Oh, wow. That's that's nuts. Yeah. It's the first year down here, school was a lot like online. And now the last um, two quarters, 
we've been fully back in person and it's kind of like opened my eyes about what a doctor program is really like yeah so it's you know do you guys have to wear masks nope okay no, no masks so that's good um they actually just dropped all like mask requirements just the other week but we were pretty much only wearing a mask like maybe one time a week so it, it honestly wasn't that bad that's good yeah I think so, all that stuff's about to blow over no I think so too you know Boston and New York City they just uplifted their vaccine mandate so yeah I think people are finally saying well you know COVID was only ever a thing because the news made it a thing you know it's, yeah I mean, I'm not going to say people didn't get it didn't get it bad because there are people that did, but there's other factors to go into it. Like, were you exercising? Were you eating McDonald's every day? And you know, exactly. And it's like you know, if if the pharmaceutical companies and medical doctors actually cared about your health, you know, they wouldn't just be put you on putting you on pills. They'd say, look, you can't eat fast food every single day. You can't drink Coke every day. You know, because that's just literally drinking sugar yep and that's going to develop diabetes and being you know overweight is uh you know a predisposition to for multiple diseases and then you know once once you're there it's like you you just can't most people can't dig themselves out of that hole right but yeah it, it's even you know, take away COVID, people still have were having issues because they wouldn't take care of themselves. Yeah. But exactly. you know, they want the quick, the quick fix, the quick band aid to make them stop feeling better right now, and they didn't, they didn't want to do it the hard way, which is the right way, and exercise and change your diet, where your body will actually make go like, go under changes, right? Or just, like, cover up the symptoms with pills. Yeah, I mean, it, it took me a while to get back into it. Right after we graduated, I, I stopped working out. I stopped running. I just started drinking and eating a bunch of junk food and mm-hmm. stuff. And it started to catch up. Like last, I've mentioned it a few times to other people. Last September, I was sitting around 205 pounds. Yeah. I'm back down to a healthier weight now, but I'm... You know, I'm watching what I eat. I try and stay away from fast food joints unless it's late at night and I haven't eaten all day. Mm-hmm. And I'm working out every morning. I'm drinking nothing but sweet tea, water, and coffee now. I cut out all the alcohol, all the tobacco. Yeah, that's so. good. Yeah, so what? pretty much what I, what I focus on is I say I eat primarily animal-based quote unquote so like you know I, I eat a lot of meat a lot of red meat regardless of like what they say like red meat's bad for you no that's a bunch of that's it's not shit. red meat that has a bunch of crap in it is bad for you yeah exactly the impossible burger is bad for you <laughs> yeah I ordered one of those one time because I thought it was like a hot sauce made an impossible burger and when I bit into it I was like what the hell is this oh yeah no that's yeah but yeah, anyway, so it's just, like, pretty much low-carb, high-protein, and honestly, like, high good fats. Like, you know, I'm not, like, I don't want to say eat a lot of fat, but a lot of a lot of the fat I eat comes from, you know, the steaks that I eat. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like, 
like grass-fed butter like that stuff is so good and the problem is is um when when people are getting like plaque built up in their arteries it's they say it's from the cholesterol well it's not from the cholesterol cholesterol is your body actually needs cholesterol to make all of the hormones that your body uses to run smoothly every single day so you need cholesterol you need good cholesterol the problem is whenever you eat carbs that breaks down into glucose and that'll go through your bloodstream and actually cut um make like little micro cuts in your blood vessels and then the cholesterol's job is to come in and patch and well soon enough enough sugar going through your blood vessels all that cholesterol is going to be patched and then it gets all clogged up and then that's whenever you have a heart attack if if it's all clogged up in your heart for example right yeah i I learned all that i think senior year in college i took a uh, nutrition class or something like that with the head uh or head athletic trainer at muskingum great like great knowledge to have and to just pass on to other people because it's sad but a lot of people like don't know that kind of stuff right and, and they, they still say you know, 65% of your calories should come from carbohydrates and it's like that is yeah if you want to be unhealthy it's like it just, it just uh, you know doesn't make sense but it also is um, sad in some cases because it is a little bit more expensive to eat, you know, good red meat and, you know, good stuff like that because that's the most expensive stuff at the grocery store. Yep, but there are ways around that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, most of my diet is, you know, beef, pork, and venison. What deer. Yeah, I, I shot say, my I deer. Eat, I eat a lot of deer. If you do hunting, like, that's that's one loophole that can get you a lot of meat and a lot of the best meat around, in my opinion. Right. I just shot a massive body deer in October last year and I'm still eating on it. Oh yeah. And there's still more of it at my mom and dad's in their freezer. Mm-hmm. We, you know, my family's always butchered. We butcher our own hogs. We butcher portions of beef and stuff like that. So like we know what we're getting and we cook it healthy. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's, that's the best way to do it because you know exactly where it's coming from and how it's getting processed. You know, no extra garbage is going in there like that's the best way to do it right and no matter what i'm cooking i'm not throwing you know I, I don't lube my pan up with butter so i'm not getting stupid cholesterol from the butter i'm not i don't even butter my toast in the mornings whenever i make breakfast it everything i make i make i try and make it as healthy as possible while still being flavorful you know that's that's the battle i feel like everyone right people try it you know is battling people always want to put say salt's bad for them and stuff like well no huge portions of salt are bad for you you need salt in your body you need the sodium exactly so it just comes with balance just like everything in life and and uh, honestly like everyone's different so Everyone just has to find whatever works for them, and it's definitely not going to be the same for everyone. But I, like, I feel like I found what works out, what's works for me, and um, I just like there's a lot of research going into the even pure like carnivores, so like only eating red meat and eggs, you know, fish, and like literally nothing else. 
there's this doctor his name is dr sean baker he's been fully carnivore for like seven or eight years now and he always posts um videos of him eating dinner every single night on instagram and he'll he's like yeah i'm eating three like one pound ribeyes for dinner it's like holy cow like yeah he only eats once a day it's crazy but um he's like 55 years old and 250 pounds pure muscle it's crazy oh i doubt he's probably lean as hell oh yeah i don't think i could eat three one pound ribeyes in one sitting if i haven't eaten all day at all no i definitely could so it's impressive the amount of red meat he puts in his body and i think um he does it to prove a point because it's it's always kind of been a thing that red meat is bad for you and so he's like look I'm only eating red meat, and my cholesterol is still in the top one percent of the healthiest uh, healthiest individuals on this planet. And he has no issues. He lifts heavy every single day, and um, so I think it's just kind of like you know. That's not the Liver King, is it? No, no, Liver King's different, but he does pretty much the same thing. Okay, I said my buddy showed me his videos, and like the dude's absolutely jacked. If you haven't seen him, go. Go check him out on TikTok, Liver King. The dude is jacked, but yep, he eats liver, bone marrow, steaks, all that good stuff. And he—I mean, some people might not think he looks healthy, but he—that man is healthy. I couldn't eat liver. I've, I've tried it. My grandpa used to get trick me into eating it, and I—I I can't get—I can't get through the taste and the texture if it's cooked wrong. Yeah, I actually just made some livers the other uh, the other night. I was at Whole Foods and they had grass fed beef liver, so I was like, all right, I can't like pass this opportunity up because um, I've been doing a little bit of research looking at like how um, animal organs can help you know in health and mm-hmm. make you more healthier. And you know, the one of the biggest arguments is back in the day whenever you killed an animal the heart and the liver were the two prized possessions oh yeah you know they thought the most nutrients came from that and also you know being in a doctoral program we learn about the liver and um they always say the thing about the liver is we know it does two thousand things but there's another two thousand things that we don't know that's that's still doing so it's it's one of the most important organs in your body it's the only organ that can regenerate on its own it's really crazy and so um i think there are definitely benefits to eating organs and nowadays like they make it easy you can supplement organs and all that good stuff so yeah i mean i've always eaten deer heart and you know one of my favorite things to do when i'm in butchering with my family who do hogs is i love pig tongue the tongue is so good it see i've never had pig tongue but I would definitely try it. it. Like, basically take a roast type flavor, but cook it, like, not as long as what you'd cook a, a roast. Like, it, it's the same. It'll come out looking the same and kind of similar texture. You put some salt on it. it it's fantastic. Oh, that's good. Yeah. We have a good friend who, um, he has about 50 acres out just outside of Sugar Creek in fenced it all off and got hogs and so now he is selling hogs for their like free range you know like live off the land hogs it's super cool i bet they're lean oh yeah lean 
best we we have i think uh we bought a fourth of one of his pigs and so we still have some of his pork down here and what we do is we'll take that pork and mix it in with the deer to make it a little bit more fatty because you know yep. deer's like not not fatty and they say you go like 75 25 yeah yep so that's what we do make best ground burgers you about ever had oh yeah and then we we take uh pork fat and we mix it with deer um, and we use it to make trebloni. Oh yeah, deer trebloni—that's one of the best things out there. Yep. Believe it or not, bear fat is the best kind of fat you can get. Bear fat. Yep. Depending on what the bear eats, um, will determine whether the fat will be blue or white, um, or not blue, but like have a bluish tint to it. And it'll also determine how the bear would taste because if they're eating like berries and you know supplemental stuff like that before they hibernate and or that's what they're living on or eating when you kill it, then that, that's what it'll more likely taste. But if it's been eating more, you know, small animals or bark or grubs or something like that, it's gonna have a little bit more gamier taste to it. But bear fat has got so many uses to it. There's a guy on uh, YouTube actually the guy that has the meat eater show he has done many episodes with him and like I didn't even know there was that many uses for bear fat but it puts pork fat to shame hmm. well something interesting about um, having your hunting license in Georgia is you actually get a bear tag really yep so it's, it's really cool you pretty much just get a package of a bunch of tags for different animals you get 11 deer tag per oh, year. Oh, yeah. That's because they're so small. Well, yeah. You know, you don't you don't shoot anything over, like, pretty much a four-pointer buck because down here, if it's brown, it's down. Yeah. But, uh... That's yeah, about, so like, where you come from, too, with them Amish. I know. <laughs> you have to go to Coshocton to shoot a big buck because all the Amish shoot old monsters around us without tags yeah i mean i shot a nice buck out in Carrollton last year it was uh just under 150 inches and uh dressed out he was over 200 pounds wow he, he was old he was an old deer but it's also a private property where i got him mm -hmm. yeah that helps but we did we started doing hunting on public land and it's like it's a whole other obstacle because you can't put out feed on public land Nope. And, um, you can't put you anything into a tree, but you can strap to a tree. Yep, exactly. So you can put out trail cameras, like where you set up your tree stand. And mm -hmm. It's, it's. I mean, it's fun. I believe uh, public land hunting is one of the most challenging hunting in the world because of all the pressure those deer will see during you know bow season and gun season. Those deer are constantly being pressured, constantly running from danger. So if you get a monster deer on public land, which is very possible, you have done your homework and you have accomplished something that not a lot of people can. Oh, exactly. And so, like, we, we, oh, well, I haven't shot any deer in here. Two of my roommates have shot deer down here on public land. And it's, like, it's so cool, even though, like, they are smaller than what we're used to in Ohio, of course. Yeah. But, you know, we just processed all the deer at our house. You know, bought a bought a meat grinder or whatever. So we just made all of our own ground, mm -hmm. and um, it's just if you haven't hunted, ten out of ten recommend. It's like one of the greatest experiences ever. Yep, and it's, it's addicting. Have you ever heard of uh, suburban bow hunters? 
Yes, I have. Uh, yep. Have you met him? <laughs> <laughs> no, but in our old neighborhood, we just had we just moved out of our house. We're in, in an apartment right now, but we had uh, like woods kind of backing up to a bunch of the houses. It was kind of like a small stretch of woods. But I'm telling you that I bet there are monster bucks that bet down back there, and the people that were on the tree line, they pretty much feed as pets. Oh yeah. My buddy showed me their show one day, and I was like, "There's no way this dude just shot a 220-inch whitetail in his backyard." He showed me a video, and my jaw just dropped. I was jealous. Oh no! It's because they're pretty much these people's pets. They'll put out feed for them so that so that the kids can come out and you know see them, and then the wrong neighbor gives someone permission permission to hunt. That pet is going to be in someone's freezer. And that's the goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we, we always thought about, like, waking up real early one morning and, like, going out and, like, like sitting in there. Because, like, no one would have no been able to see you just sit out there with a bow. But right. But then you run into the problem, you know, if you hit it, where'd it run? Did it run on the neighbor's property? And exactly. There's going to be blood everywhere in the neighborhood. And it's like, oh. Yep. Because I thought about doing that at Muskegon because Muskegon used to have deer run on it daily. Like We used to go out back and you know do what we did in the fraternity house, but we'd go out back and there'd be deer out there. And, you know, I'd be like, man, I, I could easily bring my compound bow down in my Jeep when I had my Jeep down there. And one morning, just or one evening, park in the driveway next to the house and then just easily just pop out there a certain time of night and smoke one then I was like well it might run in front of the police department it might run in front of the townhouses or other fraternity or sorority houses I was like that's just not a good idea oh I know but it's tempting oh yeah I mean, that was a that was a hell of a wormhole oh I know I know, we're all, we almost hit an hour. Yeah. Well, so we're about 50 minutes. Yeah. Um, well, is there anything else you wanted to uh, talk about? Yeah, I want to wanna make myself hypothetically feel a little slow. <laughs> so in high school, um, your main events were 110. That was like your thing, wasn't it? Yeah, 110, uh, 300 hurdles in high school, but uh, yeah, yeah. pretty much anything hurdle related, I was I was here for. And your 110s, what was your fastest time? Was it like 14.2 or something like that? Um, in high school? Yeah. So, I think my fastest time was 14.1. Okay, that was close. That was my fastest. And then, in college... Um, the hurdles go up. I think my fastest once in time was like fourteen thirty. I think that I think that was that's what won the one ten national like the the national title my last year. Yeah, I mean I loved one tens in high school, but I struggled with the height in the one tens in high school because I'm not the tallest, and you know I I'm a little bit I don't know how you'd say it, but like I'm not. I'm not really skinny, but I'm not heavy either, but I was just, yeah. you know, I'm kind of doppy, so it took me a long time to learn the three-step correctly, and I never, like, the first year was the only year I ever did 110s in college, and after that, I told the coaches, like, I'm done with those, 
um, because I couldn't get the three-step down with the height difference. And I think the fastest I ever ran one tens in high school was, uh, I want to say I ran 15.9, 16.1, somewhere in there. I mean, it wasn't anywhere able to compete in the state, but I was, I was also... Right. I was always the long herd boy. Oh, yeah. Um, say, when, like I said, I was a long herd boy. I got looked at by Ashland for a partial or a walk-on for long hurdles. And my uh, high school, or senior year of high school, I remember, what did, what did I win district with? Because I went to, where did we run districts out there? Uh, they're right up the road from where you went to high school. New Town? No, the other way. Uh, West Holmes. Yeah, so we'd always go out there for districts, and I think I won the district with 40, what was it, uh, I think I ran 42.5, or four, no, 41.5 is what I won the district with, and I, I remember thinking I was all hot shot because Brandon from uh, Tusky Valley was, I kept him behind me the whole race, and I, I was thinking I was big and bad because he was he was right behind you every time in one tens. Yeah. And obviously, depending on where we were at, you know, you had what's his fish that went to Otterbein. Um, um. Yeah, that was that was Brandon Shade. Yeah, Brandon Shade, and then he he went to uh, where did he go to high school? Tuslaw. Tuslaw. Yeah. Okay, and then you remember Brandon Burrier? Or not Brandon Burrier. Um, the guy from, he was tall black hair from Tusky Valley. I forget his name. No, I don't know if I remember him. But he, him and Brandon were like the West Holmes open invite. They were always right on your, your ass by like two to three steps behind you. Mm -hmm. And the Tusky Valley kid was um, like favorited to win 300s and I've I pulled it out and stuff like it made me all big in the head you know and then I got I got to uh, regionals and that was the first time I seen Chad Zello run outdoor um, because they did I think they did division one and division two regionals at Muskingum that year okay. and Chad won obviously easily both hurdle races I think he won the one tens with like a 13.8 Dude, it was nuts watching him do that, and then watching him do it at Youngstown too. But uh, yeah, he runs pro still. Yeah, I don't think he's done it. I think he did one race so far this year. Yeah, yeah, he was up there at the Armory. Yeah, he he said he didn't do very well, or he didn't like how he did, which you know he still ran pretty freaking quick. Oh, I know. But yeah, I got smoked at district or regionals. Barely squeaked in the finals, and then got my head out of my ass, and I ended up missing state by one, but it wasn't close. I was like, well, that was humbling. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, that's still... It was a great still, experience. Yeah. And I say, I mean, one of my favorite races ever was uh, at the West Holmes Invite senior year. We were all bullshitting before the 110 hurdle race, and we all knew who was getting what place and everything before the race even started, but we were all just bullshitting because we were all friends. Oh, I know. That was, that was the best part. 
Yeah, um, Brandon Shade, he, like like you said, he went to Otterbein. And so I, I remember, I think there was four kids out of the OAC my senior year up there at Spire that All-American in the 110 hurdles. And yeah. then, so Mason, Brandon Shade, and I all ran in high school together. Where did Mason go? Sorry? Where did Mason go to high school? Uh, um, Tri... Tri Valley? No. Uh, they're purple school up there outside of Worcester. I know what you're. I know what you're thinking. I just. I can't think of the school name up there. I can't remember. It wasn't Tri Valley, but I think it did start with a T. I don't know. I couldn't. Oh well. Oh yeah. Oh man, there were so many people that we ran with in high school. We ran with in college too. Oh, it's fun. The the track community where we're from is is cool. Oh yeah. I think there's there's a lot of good track athletes that come out of Ohio. Right, and the greatest part about us all being friends, even though we raced each other for what probably close to a decade, was mm. like we all knew that who was faster and who, and we could get better and stuff. And you know, we always pushed each other, trying to get better and better individually. But we all enjoyed hanging out and you know BSing before the race and after the race yeah. and stuff. Like we didn't have no hard feelings, like. It wasn't like I wanted to tear your head off because you beat me consistently. It was like, no, it was something to chase, some a goal to get after. And, like, it was fun to watch you run the 110s. Yeah, well, hey, yeah, I appreciate it. And it's just all about having the right mindset, you know. Even, yeah. like, even I was humbled, you know, like with the Chad Zallo in, in high school, and, you know, even at the, even in, in college. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you have to be humbled every once in a while. Yep. I mean, I was telling a story about you the other day to somebody. Uh, I'd gotten, I don't remember what, I think I'd gotten on the topic with someone about giving myself credit for things I've accomplished. And I got on, I was like, well, my junior year at the Jackson Twilight invite, I was going to win my heat and possibly uh, get in the top eight, which if you remember, that was an incredible accomplishment for anybody that went there because 95% of the schools that went there were Division One high schools, and then there's two Division Two schools, us in Marlington, and then you get away Division Three. Yeah. So, like, anybody from those three schools placing was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I made the mistake. I looked at the time clock right before I got over the last hurdle and didn't clear a trail egg. And oh, no. the next year I made sure I cleared it and I got eighth place and I'd ran a PR to that point in the season I think and I was like it was crazy man like I remember all these D1 school kids talking smack thinking they were going to be big and bad and then my buddy come out of nowhere from division 3 school and whooped them all <laughs> and like what do you mean I was yeah. like like he and the 110s he, I think you gapped them by a hurdle didn't you yeah well I remember there was a true freshman his name was Matt Pierre and he was like the only other kid that was kind of close and he actually ended up at Kentucky he won the SEC championship last year in Powell and got second this year so I could still kind of like follow up on him oh wow but 
that is like one of the most like god gifted athletic kids I've ever met. Honestly, he's it was one of his first times doing hurdles because he was a pole vaulter, and he about gave me a run for my money. Yeah. And then I can't I can't remember who I raced in the three hundred hurdles that that meet, but I do know I ran my fastest like my career fastest time there. Yeah, there's a bunch of schools from Cleveland and stuff there. Yeah, I think uh, Caleb Small, does that sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, it does. That dude was quick. Yeah, he was fast. I, but I believe he was. Me, I, I ran a 37.99, and he ran a 38.0. Oh. And that was like 1-2 in the 300 was that race. That's one of those that if you don't win, you lose. Yeah, that, that last hurdle with 10 meters before the finish line is tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember his personality? Was he? Because I remember one of the Caleb Small or uh, Zalo. One of the two. When I finally met him and like I went to congratulate him on the race, like one of them was a complete douchebag, and the other one was like cool about everything. Like thanked me for you know telling him good job and stuff. Like we would have, but one of them was like a complete douchebag. No, yeah, I mean, I I always remember Caleb being nice, but. I think Chad, if you uh, didn't really know him, you could think that he was a little bit of a douche. But yeah, I don't remember who it was, but yeah. No, I've always had good experience with both of those guys. Yeah, I mean, I only got to see Chad, you know, indoor season in high school, and then I didn't get to see him at all in out in college because he went D one, and Muskingum didn't go to any D one meets. But yeah, like. Uh, that girl that won the uh, pole vault in the Olympics from Ashland. Mm-hmm. I've met her several times. Mm. I think her I didn't, know she was, I didn't know she went to Ashland. Oh, yeah. Like, she was, I think, a sophomore whenever I was going up there. Like, I just remember um, their old field house is where everybody would meet during the summer camps and stuff. And Judd would come out and talk to us for about 30 minutes or so before we'd walk over across the street past Burger King to get over to outdoor track. And I just remember her, the entire time he was talking, she was just working on pole vault left and right. Like, it wasn't even with a, I don't think she even had a bar in her hand or a pole. She was just working on, like, uh, the rings that hang from the ceiling gymnast use she was just like working on her form and stuff like it was crazy seeing it because up at that point you know Carrollton didn't have pole vault and I had never seen that so other than Claymont but it it was awesome Um, which you know shout out to Judd Logan rest in peace one of the best track coaches to ever live I know I was about to say I thought he had just recently passed away yeah uh, I think they classified it as he passed from COVID, but he was battling some sort of cancer at the same time, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, everything's a COVID death. Right. Uh, but, you know, I mean... But, um, no, regardless, it is it is sad. He was an Olympic champ, you know, and now Ashland is one of the greatest track programs in the country. Yep. Even though they are, they are Division Two, but they're dominating. They have Trevor Bassett, who's... One of the greatest of all time. One of the greatest athletes of all time. I still remember him in high school. I was faster than he was in high school. Where, where did he go to high school? Gosh, I don't even. I can't. Was remember. it anywhere near us, or was it like somewhere where you guys had to travel to get to? No, I don't think it was close to us. But um, 
you know, I, I remember talking to him at meets, and I, I want to say that he went and walked on at, at Ashland. I believe he did, because when he walked, or when he got to Ashland, they had Miles Pringle. Yes. And the guy who I had on the podcast last week, um, he actually went to high school with Miles Pringle. And, like, it was wild when he got to Muskegon because he transferred into Muskegon. And then there was a receiver that went to Muskegon with me, like, came at the same time. And, like, they would be talking about him. Like, hey, I'm, I I know who you're talking about. And they're like, how do you know him? And I'm like, well, I went to Ashland track camps. Like, I've seen the guy run in person. And, like, it's nuts. And, like, how do you get so lucky as a program to get Miles Pringle, who is one of the greatest 400 hurdlers ever probably in the country, and then you, you know, you get Trevor Bassett right after him. Like, that's just nuts and great recruiting. Yeah, great recruiting, and it's like as soon as you get one really good athlete, the other good athletes coming out of high school are going to want to go there because that's they're seeing like that's where the best people are going, or that's where the best people are. And so I think like the biggest part of recruiting is, you know, the coaches obviously, but I think it's your program's traditions and you know how they've done like as a team because the best people want to go to the best programs and if you're producing people that are going to nationals every year then that, you're gonna you're gonna get the best kids right yeah I mean looking back now on my college career and my recruiting and stuff like I wouldn't have changed anything because I I got the experiences and stuff made me who I am today. But I would have at least given Mount a look. But because of what had happened in high school with my ex and stuff um, and how she went there, I completely shut the door on Mount before they ever contacted me because I was, like, still bitter about all that and didn't want to be anything near it. But, you know, looking at it from a track point of view, it may have made me become a lot better athlete. But... I probably wouldn't be who I am now. Yep, exactly. You know, everything happens for a reason, so... Right, and, you know, I didn't become... Well in the past. I didn't become a great track athlete at Muskegon because my own personal choice is, like, I hit the bottle extremely hard when I couldn't run, and then by the time senior season rolled around, I was so far out of shape, and, like, all my conditioning I've had since I was a freshman in high school was just gone. I couldn't... Dude, it hurt so bad to run four in a hurdle senior year. I, it hurt, but I enjoyed them so much I would just do it. Like, I remember sophomore year, I was about to hit 58 seconds, and I was excited about it, and then they took it from me, and then my senior year, I couldn't even get under a minute. Yeah. I know it's hard once you take time off like that. It's, it's hard to right. come back. And I, I'll argue with a lot of people about this. I believe in my heart the four under hurdles are the hardest event in track. Yeah, I know. The, the 800 people don't want it to admit it, but I, I think I agree with you. Right. Like, I ran four, or I ran 800s in high school. I ran on the Fulbright team and stayed indoor my senior year. I was never trained for an 800, and I hopped in, and I ran a 212. And yeah. that's above average for, you know, high school. Oh, yeah. I was like, there's nothing to an 800. You just got to know how to pace yourself, and then you'll be fine in hurdles there is no pacing you gotta go yeah yep you gotta go but I do like the 400 hurdles better than 400 because yes you're only focused on the next 35 meters in front of you not right finish line all the way on the other side of the track 
dude, 400 opens just sucked. Like, because you hit that last 125, the last 175 meters, and you're sitting there like, I'm bored, and I'm hurting. This is no fun. I don't want to do this anymore. It's only fun if I I think as if you're in a relay. 4 by 4 is one of the greatest track events ever. I never enjoyed a 4x4 because I always got stuck in the first or second leg, so I was always running extra than 400 meters. Oh, yeah. But I was a starter because I always just said I wanted to get it over with. So yeah. I was like, I'll just start so I don't have to sit there and wait to get the baton. I like being the third leg. You know, start on the inside from a standing position, finish in a standing position on the inside. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, you know, I... I was never real, like I said, my fastest times were nothing compared to yours, but that last year at Otterbein that I ran, I think I split a 55 in the 4x4 Mustang ran, and that was the fastest 400 I've ever run. So, I, I got that to take away and look forward to, but... Oh, yeah. Um, oh, it's, it's a hard race. A lot of people don't want to do it, so it's fun whenever you can... Yeah. Believe it or not, my high school or my high school three hundred hurdles coach was a Mount Union grad who had went to nationals. Oh, okay, that's small world. Dude, yeah, what's his name? Uh, Chris Wolf. Chris Wolf. Okay. But, no, I don't. We have a wolf on Mount Strategy right now who's a pole vulture, but I don't know. That's the only wolf I know from Mount Union. Yeah, I don't know how old he was. He was actually Carrollton's head girls coach at the time, but he was the hurdles coach too. And then um, I forget where Ackerman went to, to college. I think he went to Walsh. I don't remember, but yeah. Did you you remember Peyton Spiker from uh, New Philly? High jumper hurdler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sounds familiar. Believe it or not, he's a distant cousin of mine. Really? Yeah, I believe he's at his senior year or fifth year at Walsh right now. Okay, so he went to Walsh. Yeah. And then uh, remember the ginger from Marlington? Knock. Yeah, Ben. Yeah, he went to Walsh. Yep. His mom worked at my uni. He still chose to go to Walsh. Wow. But I mean, only what, a 20-minute drive difference? Not even. Yeah, I mean, well, he lived in Marlington, so Mount was like five minutes, right? It was crazy how good Ben was, and and uh, my division high high school, like it was just crazy. Like I remember one year, like I think it was senior, no, junior year. I come into our conference thinking, all right, everybody that was good has graduated. This is about to be my stuff for the next two years, and then that kid comes out of nowhere, like, and his. His strategy for running the 300 hurdles pissed me off, and he still do. He would, he would wait. He would wait and do a kick. Oh yeah, and it, then get you at the end. Yeah, like he just he'd wait patiently, and then once he seen you were out of juice, it was like he hit the nos and he was gone. And it was irritating because you're like, I can't, I got nothing left. Yeah. But he was such a good kid, and he was cool to talk to, and a crazy, crazy speed, just like you. I don't know how he's done at Walsh. Um, I don't have any Walsh stuff on Twitter or anything to keep up with him. Yeah. But no, it's, it's, it's hard. I have a hard time keeping up with track besides 
Mount Union's like track page or whatever, and then it was nice getting to watch Nationals today, just bring back all yeah. the players, and I just like I felt like I was there all over again. It's just so weird, but it's nice to watch from the outside and not you know have all that pressure about running. Right. I think you should be a coach down the road. Like, you you send some kids to uh, state and probably even nationals in high school. Like send them over to Tracktown, USA. Yeah, no kidding. Well, that's definitely a possibility. But for now, like I said, like I really have to focus on this doctorate. And like once I get established, then hopefully I won't have to work as much, and then I'll be able to do some more things. But yeah, I uh, I think I think it would be good. You know, we're we're pretty similar for like the love of the game. So I think that's like the biggest part. And like if if you can get your athletes to believe in themselves, I think that's like the the yep. other big thing you got to do as a coach. Yep, got to give them the buy into what what you're talking about and stuff. Yeah. No. Yeah, I know. And um, I was just talking about my track coaches t- earlier today actually and I was just bragging about them saying like they're honestly like some of the greatest humans like I'll probably ever meet and I could call them up anytime even like even now probably for the rest of my life right and like anything I need you know no questions asked like they're they're helping me out so yeah every interaction I ever had with mouth coaches was always a good one like I, I enjoyed any conversation I had with Mount's coaches, and like you said, I, I can call Gleason up today from Muskingum, and he would, he would talk to me for hours. Like my relationship with him is just so good. Like I used to walk in, like you know how, how I am and who I am. He would, I'd walk in, and he'd like, he would throw jokes at me that he knew he couldn't throw at anybody else because I, I would just enjoy them, and I was that kind of person. Oh, yeah. But he also knew I was, like, a huge leader on the team, whether I was running or not, because for some reason, I don't know why, even to this day, younger kids looked up to me. Yeah. I don't understand why, but... Well, it's probably because you just made them feel, like, not like younger kids. I tried to make sure everything was fun. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's what they want. You know, they're nervous coming in, and they're, like, coming from high school to college is... It's stressful. That itself is stressful, yeah, exactly. And so, like, that's that's the biggest thing. You just, like, make them feel welcome and part of the family. And that's how I think you get the best out of your athletes. Yep. I 100% agree. But, uh, well, that, that's probably a good spot to to finish up here. That way you can get to doing your homework so you can complete that doctorate. Yeah, I actually... Once I hang up here, I'm going to start looking at some, I have a lab midterm for the peripheral nervous system, so I have to learn every single nerve, uh, where it is, what muscle it innervates, it's just, it's crazy, but like I said, well, I I haven't said it yet, but I will right now, nothing in life comes, nothing good in life comes easy, so... If yep. you have to work hard for something, it's more than likely something good and something that's going to benefit you in life. So yep. go out, get out of your comfort zone, and do things that are uncomfortable because it's just going to make you grow as a person. Yep. 
And say after I hop off here, I'm going to finish this up and then uh, get my notebook out and write my assignments down for this week so I can Sounds do good. them. Well, hey, brother. Thanks again for having me on the show. And I uh, hope a bunch of people listen to this. And We're getting there. Yeah. But uh, I appreciate you coming on here, man. It, it, it was great catching up with you. Uh, look forward to talking to you in the future. Dude, same. Well, hey, I appreciate it again. Take care. Yep. Thanks, everyone, for listening. So we'll see you, brother. Thanks, buddy. Tell your mom and dad I said hey. Oh, yeah, I will do it. So. Yep. All right. Later, Bye. buddy. So, like I said, that was Connor Troyer. Um, incredibly cool dude. I grew up with him, grew up racing him from the time I can remember any memory with Connor, it was just racing him. So, um, always enjoyed racing him. It, it was kind of crazy how we raced each other at Strasburg, and then we both moved away, and then we continued to race each other for different schools, and, and then we went to different colleges, and then we still continued to race each other. It, it was It was crazy, and it was awesome. Um, like he said, Brandon Shade, who went to Otterbein, we raced him in high school. Uh, he was a cool dude. Still one of my friends to this day. Um, I can't remember the kid's name from Tusky Valley at the moment. I believe his name was Brandon Burrier, but I, I can't say for sure. But we all raced each other. It was all fun, you know, good environments to be around. So it, it was just cool. Cool to catch up with him, talk hurdles. I enjoy talking about track. Uh, I, I could talk anybody's ear off about track for days and days um we did get a little bit of a rabbit hole about health and stuff but uh you know your body's important you got to take care of it so but uh, just sum up a little bit about connor's accolades because i kept saying he was such a great runner and stuff and he was um very good runner uh he was a great football player too pretty good receiver um he uh was a three-time national champion a seven-time All-American, ten-time All-Conference, a national champion in a individual hurdle, um, the 110s, and uh, he was fourth place in the 400 hurdles in the NCAA championships, um, and multiple more. Um, I didn't write the years down. That's just his cumulative college college gate career. Um, crazy speed on this dude. Um, it was. It was awesome watching him run. It was awesome running against him, like I said earlier. It was something to chase. Um, he always gave me a goal to get after something because, you know, when you're in your lane running, you, you got to have something there to motivate you. And for my abilities and how I ran track, it was always, I got to chase something. I got to chase somebody. I never liked being in lane eight because then I had no one in front of me to chase. Um, and it, it would make me struggle. So... I'd always like to be in a little bit in the middle, have a couple people in front of me to chase, a couple people behind me to motivate me to go a little faster. Um, but no matter what it was or where I was, I knew it was only a multiple time before I had to get after it and chase because Connor was coming or Brandon was coming because Brandon was a great athlete also and great track athlete. Um, I actually have a very cool picture of me and Brandon in uh, college at Muskingum's I believe it was at Muskingum, our sophomore year, uh, all-conference meet, and we were both going over hurdle at the exact same time. It, it was, it's just a cool picture in my mind, one of my favorites of my track career. Um, but he, he was, he's a cool dude. We, 
can't say enough about him. Um, but uh, like he said, nothing in life comes easy. So if you want it, get out there and work for it because it ain't going to come to you. Um, and with that, this will wrap up Grindstone Adventures Podcast 8, Connor Troyer. And I'm your host, Zach Fuhr. So with that, get out and live your life and have some fun. And I'm out.